Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for readers and listeners of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine the show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Cyril O, Jared W, and Mike P. Guy Keller is on the show today. Mr. Keller is Commodities Analyst at Tribeca Investment Partners, an investment group based in Sydney, Australia, that is focused toward natural resource investing. The company has listed its Global Natural Resource Fund on the Australian Securities Exchange under the symbol T. G F. Guy, welcome to the show. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for having me. Guy, give us uh, give the audience an overview of your background and how you ended up being focused on natural resource equity investing. Sure. Thanks. Yep. I um, I've been a, in the commodity markets for uh, just over twenty odd years. Um, the bulk of my career has been on the actual physical commodity side and the derivatives of such, trading uh, precious metals, gold and silver, uh, trading some base metals, and uh, and the bulks, iron ore as well. Uh, I've worked in London, Sydney, Singapore, uh, then back in Sydney, and so always had a, uh, a very much sort of resource-focused career. Tell us a bit about uh, Tribeca, including the various focuses of the uh, the business, and then, if you would, assets under management. And well, let's go with that. Sure. Yeah. So Tribeca Investment Partners uh, have been a boutique fund manager. We were established in 1998 uh, in Sydney, um, Australia. We we run around two billion Australian dollars uh, on behalf of a range of um, uh, pension client pension funds, family offices and high net worth. We're a, a fundamental investor um, more relevant to this conversation are our global natural resources uh, strategies. So, so we run a, a global natural resource uh, long short mainly equity investment. Um, we do uh, go across uh, other ways of looking at that as well. Uh, more recently, we launched a, a credit version of that strategy where uh, we're lending money on, at a project level um, to in, resort, in the resource space. Um, as you mentioned before, we, we listed a, uh, a, a listed investment company on the ASX last year to uh, allow um, more retail exposure to, to our strategy. And a uh, very busy year last year, we also then um, launched uh, the Nuclear Energy Opportunities Fund as well, um, just to be have a bit more of a concentrated approach on on uranium. Okay, well, tell us about for a moment uh, how how can investors get involved? What's what is just give us an outline? You know, there's a number of international uh, folks listening uh, outside of Australia, Canada, North America, etc., Europe. How can some of those folks who might qualify get involved with the fund? Yeah, so we um, all, all three of the funds are, are wholesale, uh, are targeted to wholesale investors. So uh, they do have a, um, a requirement that you, that you have that you are classified as, as a wholesale investor. The the global natural resources and and the credit version uh, have Aussie unit trusts as well as uh, offshore uh, US dollar um, uh, funds uh, that both do the same thing. The uh, for for uh, for the smaller um, 
uh, investor on the on the retail side, obviously the listed investment company that does replicate the global natural resources. Uh, it has some exposure to to the credit strategies in the resources fund as well, and that fund also has some uranium positions. Um, and then the, the the nuclear energy opportunities fund is also a wholesale uh, investment fund. Uh, so again, it has a minimum uh, investment criteria, but um, and and is a bit more concentrated, as I said. And how has performance been at Tribeca? Anything you'd like to highlight there? And also, is there any key people at the group you'd like to mention? Um, I mean, we, uh, on the resources side, we're um, probably the, uh, the the largest uh, team uh, in this part of the world focusing on global natural resources. Um, we do have a good track record in our, in our, in our flagship fund, Global Natural Resources Fund. Uh, and as I said, the other funds are uh, a little bit uh, newer, so uh, so they're still building some track record. But um, yeah, I mean, we, we we are a pretty dedicated team to resources, and that's uh, you know that's sort of not so common in this space. And before we get into the uranium side of uh, Tribeca, what other parts of the natural resource markets really have your attention today? And is there anything specifically outside of uranium that investors should be paying attention to? Well, I mean, the last little while in in markets globally have been pretty much dominated by macro uh, around President Trump uh, and uh, and China and trade wars. To be honest, um, you know, we've seen a lot of um, uh, noise and market direction come uh, as a result of uh, the back and forth there. Uh, we've seen a lot of focus on uh, on on what the Fed's going to be doing uh, and therefore what other central banks are doing. So. I mean, we're, we're fundamental investors in the resource space, so it's um, you know there has been a little bit more noise uh, more recently than, uh, than than we'd like. Obviously, gold's got become very topical. Uh, it's uh, it's had a fantastic price appreciation as a result of all this macro, and it's I mean for us it's it's hard to say fundamentally while it's why, why, why it's here. Um, you know, gold, uh, as you know, and many of your listeners know, is, is very much a function of uh, geopolitical risk, uh, of um, you know, yield, uh, or, the, or the lack of yield anywhere else, uh, safe haven, U.S. dollar. Um, so uh, you know, there's uh, there's a there's a few of those factors driving that, but but that looks pretty good at the moment. And you know, a lot of the other commodities that that we look at. Um, they they have unfortunately been tied up a little bit in trade wars, so you know it's a it's a, a a part of now being saying well, if you do get some sort of resolution, what you know which commodities will benefit uh, the most to the upside as a result of that, um, you know where's the demand, what's what's still looking tight, and you know so it's for us still a bit of a an ongoing uh, um, puzzle to uh, to just try to. Pick the timing of when when uh, when we can sort of look back a bit more fundamentally and uh, and see a bit, of, a bit of global growth come back in. Well, guy, give us your uh, view on the uranium market. What do you see happening with this sector over the next twenty four months? Um, I mean, uranium's is is one of the standouts for us at the moment, especially with respect to uh, as I was saying before, all the noise in the market. Um, because we're, we're fundamental investors, and, and, and the fundamentals make sense for us, and, and that is the current supply of uranium is not enough to um, satisfy the current demand, and the, the, the demand that's currently being built uh, way outstrips 
the uh, the future or planned supply that we see at these prices. So there's a big disconnect, and uh, which is why it makes so much sense to us, and, and and why it made sense for us to 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 spin out a concentrated strategy to focus on it. And how about the Tribeca strategy? What what does the company really look for when it decides on a uranium company? Are you looking at the physical funds? Are you looking at producers, developers, explorers? Give us the Tribeca approach. Yeah, I mean, so we look at we we have the ability to look across the whole uh, nuclear um, um, supply chain um, as part of our mandate. Um, at at the moment, we're very much focused on 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 spot, obviously, and uh, and what we see as 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 who will be first to the market. I mean, we we do have a a, a, a diversified portfolio approach, but we do have a little bit of concentration because we sort of our view is here that. That the first move in uranium is um, whether it's spot led or spot reacts to it um, is a move in spot, which then gives an opportunity for a handful of sort of brownfield or care and maintenance type projects to quickly come in and and uh, or quickly quickly in in uranium speak is still a few years, um, but but you know it's the focus on who will be first to be able to take advantage of that price appreciation. Um, before moving on to the next phase, which which still has to happen because the prices will not be high enough to to get enough supply in for what's required, uh, the next phase is then you know being able to have a bit more of a concentration on some of your developers, uh, you know some exploration assets and things like that. So you know it depends where we are in the cycle as to as to how we're looking at things. Do you think there's a little bit of a hesitant nature in the market a little bit for when the price is at $35 or $38 or $42. Who pulls the trigger first? Uh, do you think that there's some itchy trigger fingers out there who just want to try to get going a little bit to maybe make a few pennies or maybe a few dollars uh, versus those who are determined to really just hold out for, for higher prices? What's What's your thought on some of those companies maybe trying to get started a little bit early at really the detriment to themselves. Yeah, I mean, I think the the reality is is that nothing really moves fast in the uranium market, uh, and there has been a, a long period of time where the market has been, uh, you know, well, in a bear market effectively. Um, so, I mean, it's natural that that there will be. People that are that are that are keen to to get to get uh, to get to market. I mean, the, the reality is though is that they still need to secure a price that's going to make them profitable, so that people invest in them. Um, you know, it's not just and a lot of these projects are, are not big. They're not they're not able to control the market where they can say, well, I'm coming to market early, so I can control um, volume. Uh, and maybe means that means that somebody else doesn't get in. None of these guys are big enough to be able to, to to dictate that. So you know, as an investor, if if we're looking at a project that comes in too cheaply in our mind uh, and is not going to be making enough profit at the end of the day, then we're not going to invest in them. Right. And what is what is some of the key factors for Tribeca? Is it the management team, uh, the lowest price uh, as far as the equity price? Uh, or, or maybe even the uranium price or the, the all-in uh, production cost. Uh, is it the project? What are the what are, tell us some of the key things that you really see as important 
Yeah, I mean, we, we approach all our resource um, in, uh, re- investments on the mining side uh, in, a, in, a, in a similar way. Um, you know, we're almost going through a, a, a checklist in, in what we look at. Um, you know, the reality is, I think, for everybody in the uranium um, mining se- sector, prices needs to be higher. So, you know, that's not as important for us. I mean, what, what we find uh, when we look back on why things haven't worked in the past, and, and the good thing about the uranium market is we've, we, we have had two bull markets in the, in the last uh, observable future, um, which, uh, you know, gives us a really good um, uh, precedent to go back and have a look at. And, and where we find that things come unstuck is, is with respect to jurisdiction and, and permitting. So, you know, for uranium, they're, they're the two main important things, or most important things for us. Are they in a jurisdiction that's going to be friendly and supportive and, and has the regulatory framework in, uh, in place to, to allow that company to produce? And, uh, you know, are all the permits in place? Because uranium mining, I mean, like all mining, all mining... Uh, can you know generally can come unstuck with with permitting, um, but you know uranium there's just more of a spotlight on that. Uh, it, it's um, there's there's more uh, steps that they need to take to make sure that they have that permit in place. So 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 th- those are the two things we mainly focus on. Okay, and do you have a limited belief that you know with all these uh, equities in the market that there's kind of a, a rising tide and all boats were kind of float higher in this specific sector or do you guys kind of don't don't agree with that kind of approach um we think it gets to a point where everybody benefits um and but i think early in the in the cycle which is i mean we're, we're still very early in the cycle there's there's the you know things um, take a while for, uh, for 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 the excitement and the froth to come in to to, to give a, a rise to everything. So I think certainly you know and again is it a spot price appreciation? Is it uh, announcement of uh, large contracting? I, I don't know necessarily what it is that that uh, that gets things moving, but I think early doors the quality will move first. Um, and the rest will sort of follow. Right. No, I think I think that's a good good idea and a good analysis of, of what likely will happen there. Um, you mentioned jurisdiction. Uh, what do you look for here? Uh, I know you mentioned permitting, uh, but what jurisdictions does Tribeca have exposure to at this point? Can you mention a few countries? We uh, we have a fair a reasonable uh, exposure to uh, Australia here. Um, a lot of that it's in in, in one stock. Um, we we have a, a, a fairly good exposure to Africa. I just I just think that Africa uh, has the ability to uh, move. Uh, you know, assuming you're happy with any geopolit- geopolitical risk in Africa. But, but to, to be honest, where most of the projects are, are, are pretty uh, uh, reasonable jurisdictions. Uh, and and more importantly, they've they've had a long history of uranium mining. Whether it's fire from the French or or the Chinese or whoever it's going to be in the past in those countries, so you know we we do like uh, Africa from that from a jurisdiction jurisdiction perspective. Um, I mean, obviously the USA um, there is uh, some pluses there at the moment, especially if if there's a um, uh, a positive outcome from the uh, the working group that that that. Uh, 
uh, gives more clarity as to as to what the utilities can and will do. Um, you know, so so we'd, we'd be, but, but that's an exposure we're growing slowly. We we were lucky that we didn't have a a, a huge exposure to to the US uh, prior to Section 232. And to be honest, that was a little bit of dumb luck, but also a little bit of uh, we just had sort of competing priorities as to where to put some money, uh, and um, figured that we'd be happier to chase a bit of momentum into the US um, than, uh, than than wear some pain. So we were, we were a little bit lucky there. Yeah. Well, no, absolutely. Good, good, uh, good timing there. And you certainly have a nice, uh, you know, what are we at? 35, 40% discount on some of the names there just over the last, uh, you know, 45 days or so. So that's been a good, good place to maybe park some potential capital there. Um, mm. How, how do you enter these uh, positions? Are you using private placements, uh, open market purchases, a mix of both? Uh, and is there a timing element to this, uh, these different entries? Yeah, I mean that's a good question. One one of the advantages that 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 I have in sitting where I do at Tribeca is that we've been in the global natural resources space for a number of years, um, in in the Tribeca format, and and um, you know prior to that, most of us have worked in global commodities or global resources. So we we find that the the access to um, liquidity events in the equity space. Um, we don't have to work too hard to find that because we're already talking to a lot of the brokers in, in Canada, in America, in Australia, in, in Europe, um, you know, due to our uh, our other funds. So we uh, we do see a lot of opportunity that comes across, um, and whether that's uh, private placements or uh, or raisings or, or whatever it is, we you know we prefer to to be able to um, access liquidity. Uh, without having to go into the market, um, sometimes we do, um, depending on on what's going on. I mean, the, the reality is, as you and your listeners have probably seen, is that the, the market capitalization of of the uranium sector is pretty small, uh, and liquidity is 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 one thing that uh, um, you know, compared to some you know other other sectors, is is not as easy to find. So, when you're trying to deploy a reasonable amount of money. Um, having the contacts and the connections to be able to, um, you know, have the opportunity to participate in uh, in some of these raises makes a big difference for us. And and on the uranium uh, fund um, there at Tribeca, can you share with us the approximate size of that fund? Uh, we don't actually break down the the uh, the assets under management for the individual funds, um, but across all our resource exposure. It's it's a pretty reasonable um, reasonable uh, exposure. I mean, it, it's public knowledge that that we're substantial shareholders in in three uranium stocks, um, and uh, you know they are reasonable positions across all our portfolio. So um, you know it's it's a good amount of money we do have in, invested in the space. Okay, and and how many positions does Tribeca see as prudent for the uranium equity side, and how many do you have now? Yeah, I mean, on the so the uranium side, we we think concentrate. I mean, the, the the reality is there's not on uranium miners, there's not that many listed opportunities uh, compared to previous cycles. I mean, that that's probably likely to change as as things uh, start improving. Um, so we aim to hold sort of ten to fifteen positions um, in the uh, in the, the nuclear fund. Um, I think at the moment there's uh, as about nine positions. 
Okay. And what is your approach specifically on the position sizing, sizing in these different companies? What can you share with us, you know, if you guys see, you know, a 5% position, uh, 10% or how do you how do you approach your position sizing with the the type of company and, and your conviction level? Yeah, that's a good question. We we do look at it from a number of different um angles. Uh we we break it down into you know, jurisdiction, we break it down into are they producing, are they brownfield and care and maintenance, are they explorers, are they developers? Um, we break down, you know, um, what do we, where do we want to be heavy at the moment? So at, at the moment, uh, a lot of our portfolio is in brownfields and, and, and spot exposure. Um, and does that change? Yeah, I mean, yeah, it does. It, it changes as as opportunities come to us. So we, for example, might not be wanting to be too heavy in explorers, but if a, an opportunity comes to participate in some liquidity via a raise and, and it's on attractive terms, then uh, then you know it's we, we we know where we want to be and and and, and what we like. Uh, sometimes it's just the timing might mean that we uh, we get it earlier or, or later than we wanted, um, but that doesn't bother us. I mean we're 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 a three year strategy at least. So um, you know, if we pick up an explorer six months earlier than we were planned to, then um, so be it. But yeah, at the moment, it's it's very much sort of that brownfield first to market and and, and spot that is probably our uh, our concentration. And and percentage wise uh, for a position, uh, obviously that's going to be variable. But can I is it kind of around maybe five to ten percent, or how does that fall in? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, any anything less than five percent in the portfolio is not really worth having there uh, unless it's a toehold uh, where we're trying to build a bigger position sure. um, so uh, you know and, and it's sometimes the, the the other issue I think is that because of some of the market cap of some of these companies um, you know maybe it ends up being less than a five percent position just because you don't want to take such a big stake to be uh, hitting a substantial threshold and having to, to report that right yep so are there you mentioned a couple companies are there any companies that you'd like to mention that uh, the public is aware that Tribeca has is there anything you'd like to mention there as far as names and why you like them Um I mean I guess it's public information as I said we we won't sort of just talk about anything that we're not substantial in so if anybody googles it they can find that that we're substantial shareholders in in the London listed yellow cake in Australian listed Boss Resources and 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 uh, Australian listed Bannerman. Um, there's you know three very different approaches there in those three stocks. I mean it's 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 worth reminding people here that that's just part of our portfolio and because we're substantial in them um, doesn't you know there that's across a, a, a few different funds. So uh, so you know it could be a small or a large part of the nuclear portfolio. Um, you know, and and we're also here for three years, so so please don't go and rush into any of those just on the basis that I said we own them. Um, <laughs> but uh, I mean, you know, the the, the London listed yellow cake is it's 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 an easy. I mean, it's like the the Canadian listed uranium participation corp. It's uh it's a spot proxy, um, and part given the part of our thesis is that uh, that uh, that one of the first movers in in the early stage of this cycle has to be spot. Um, it's a good way to 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 have exposure that you can 
bring up and take down uh, you know on the market as opposed to to being in physical derivatives we 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 do have the ability to to gain exposure um via physical um holdings and and we are always exploring ways to to uh, increase leverage to the spot price via that um so that's a little bit of a work in progress and i think um at some stage in the future we will have uh you know some exposure there as well um you know, uh, Boss Resources. It's part of our. It's part of that sort of first to market. I mean, it, there's, there's no doubt in my mind. It's it's the first Australian project that will come to market in this first wave, and and it'll be part of a small handful of others that come to the market outside of some of the bigger boys that are on care and maintenance. Um, you know, it's already had some sunk capex. It's uh, it's low cost. Um, it can get to two million pounds um, pretty quickly and easily in, in uranium speak t- timelines. Um, so you know that's that's sort of a reason we own that. And then when we look at Bannerman, I mean, people sort of sit there and say to me that that, that the Chinese have got enough in Namibia. I, I've got a slightly different view to that. Um, I think that Namibia works for the Chinese. Uh, the Chinese need at least one more Husab mine uh, just to fuel the the reactors currently under construction. Uh, so why? You know, there's not too many other jurisdictions for them to uh, to be able to um, you know venture into. They've been into Niger and that hasn't necessarily worked for them. There's limited ability for them to be in Kazakhstan, um, and you know I can't see necessarily Canada or Australia with with uh, with their you know foreign investment rules allowing them in 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 a, in a major way. So you know it's it's fantastic leverage to uh, to to that whole sort of Chinese hot pot in uh, in Namibia. Yeah, good luck with uh, getting into Australia and Canada and the United <laughs> States. It could be a little bit difficult. They might have to head further south and look at South America, perhaps. But uh, mm. So you've got the Australian and Canadian dollars at a healthy discount to the U.S. dollar. On a dollar amount basis, is Tribeca heavily weighted more towards Australian uranium stocks, or is it more allocated towards Canadian uranium stocks? Can you maybe share how much in percentage terms? Uh, yeah, I don't have that breakdown in percentage terms. I mean, I, I think the, the factor of geography and time zone, we tend to see uh, and be awake for more opportunity here in Australia. Um, and to be honest, there, there's, there's, you know, in, in Aussie listings, there are actually abilities to, to get, um, you know, Namibia, Australia, US uh, projects. We, we have, we're sort of in and out a little bit in Canada. Um, we just it's it's a point uh, it's a part where uh, where we probably need to add some more exposure um and uh you know there's a few things I'm looking at there that that I like um I just think I've got a little bit more time to potentially be able to uh, uh raise some more money and uh, <laughs> and have the ability to get in there a little bit um more uh, in, with a bit more weight um, so yeah, I mean, it's I don't really have that breakdown as to as to to what what my exposure is via sort of currency weighting. Okay, and you guys you guys do have some I'm assuming some TSX TSXV listed uh, uranium stocks. Yeah, yeah, yep, yep. Okay, just small at the moment. Sure, sure, absolutely, and 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 certainly the <laughs> the discount there with the U.S. dollar. I'm not sure how much longer that's going to last before it starts to slowly move the other direction, but we'll find out. Yeah. 
Um, <laughs> so how do you how do you look at cash as part of your strategy, Guy? And and what portion of cash will Tribeca uh, try to maintain uh, while being invested in the uranium market, or will it kind of maybe go all in? How do you, how do you approach cash? With respect to the Nuclear Energy Opportunities Fund, it's it's a concentrated um, investment thesis. So the cash holdings are, are minimal, to, to say the least, um, and and often it's it's because we're waiting for a price point in something. So um, you know, post two thirty two. Um, we made a decision to to uh, to move um, a lot more heavily towards exposure, uh, and I think that 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 trend post working group will continue. Um, you know, I, it's it's coming to a point where there's just a lot of things that need to happen by the end of the year, <laughs> and so you know we're um, <clears throat> happy to happy to um, you know wear a little bit of volatility and noise at the moment um, instead of trying to really rush in as as things start moving uh, towards the end of this year right and and give us how, how about this though when you have let's say nothing happens in the uranium market so nothing significant happens until say 2021 let's say the, the utilities hold out they drain down their inventories and their stock and Let's say 2021 comes around, and uh, maybe maybe we're starting to move by then. Maybe 2022, perhaps. When some of these companies that you're invested in uh, are ripe for, they need more capital, or their their stock price is low. Will Will Tribeca look to add uh, funds to to uh, increase position and and do what they need to do there, or how how would that be approached? Yeah, I mean it. I mean, for for a start, I, I hope it doesn't take till 2022 for this to play out. Um, <laughs> I hope that's the worst case scenario. But uh, I mean, we we've set this fund up to to be a long term investment strategy anyway. So so it's it's a you know if you were to invest tomorrow, it's a, it's a three year investment for you, um, and that has a lock on it. And and we've done that for a reason. I mean, the the, the first reason we did it was because when when we launched this strategy. We didn't really have any idea of how how much appetite we would have for it. It started largely with with partner money here and and a few key investors from a, a, a larger global natural resources fund. And and one of the things we looked back on in the past was, uh, you know, when when you needed to be buying, when 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 institutional investment strategies set up and they needed to be buying through periods of pain. Often they were getting redemption, so they were forced sellers. Uh, and then, in the flip side, at the top of the market, when they should, probably should have been taking risk down, they were getting more money in. So that was one of the reasons that we sort of said, "Listen, we all believe we're in this because we believe the fundamentals uh, have to have to rebalance, and we don't want necessarily, you know, to open this this fund up to uh, to, to to new investors who three months down the track say." You know what? I, I don't. This isn't working. I need to sell. So that's one of the advantages that we have is that is if it does take till 2022, <laughs> we'll uh, you know we'll still be invested. As for um, you know the projects requiring more money, that's sort of a I mean that's that's sort of a given. Outside of uh, non-producers, uh, is that yes, there's always going to be a time where where they have to raise. Um, 
we we look at it from a case by case perspective where if if we don't have um, as much belief that the project or the, the company are doing what we need them to do then then we won't participate in that raise and we'll we'll dilute as a result of that um, and likewise if if uh, if there's a, a share price on its knees and uh, and the company needs some money and we're still big believers then then we'll you know um, we'll, we'll add a, add appropriately so it sort of depends on what we have available to invest, um, where that company's at, and and you know how far along the, uh, the 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 cycle we're at. Right. Absolutely. No. I I think that that's the case. If it's 2022, and the uranium price is still at 20 25 dollars, then these stocks you can be count on much higher share counts uh, for most of them, and uh, and also with with needing probably sentiment will probably be driven down so you'll probably have lower prices um, so I think you're absolutely right case by case basis the ability to add money when needed I, I think that's key I, I certainly uh, plan on that and I think we've we've tried to delineate that uh, here at Smith Weekly Research where we maintain a, a balance of cash uh, for these opportunistic situations that come up and mm. and really taking a, a slow entry approach that we've, we've tried to do here so I think that makes a lot of sense um, how about exit strategy, Guy? What are your thoughts here, and how will Tribeca approach this when the time comes? For a start, we'll be closed to new investors well before this market has got anywhere near topping out. Um, you know, so that would be one of the first things you'll see us do is 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 saying no more money, thanks, uh, because we will. F and, and that, as I said, that may not be us thinking that. That the, 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 the cycle's necessarily over. That'll be us saying we've got enough invested, um, so that if we, uh, if and when we need to exit, it's not going to be a, um, uh, you know, one of those things that takes weeks and months because we're, we're too big for the market. So there will be a, it will be a decision on how much money we are running in in the fund at the time, but but also where it's at. So that'll be the first thing you see us do because we certainly don't want to be taking in, uh, you know, double our funds under management uh, if and when if and when spots at $110 and everything's ripping along because uh, that's probably a time we want to be getting out. Um, as for exit, I mean, we, we've we set the fund up as specifically to, to be allowed to, uh, to, to be short as well. So, um, you know, we, uh, we may get to a point where where we decide that uh, that something's run its course, uh, take that risk down and, and redeploy it into into a short somewhere. It doesn't mean that the strategy's over. It just means that uh, you know we might think that it is toppy. Um, the the other perspective we have is that you know we're 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 owned by staff, so you know a lot of the decisions are, are our own. There's no third party, and, and plus you know I, I work as well on the uh, on the main global natural resources fund, so. When it gets to a point where we think the returns <clears throat> to our investors are uh, are appropriate for for what's happened in the market, then you know we, we can shut the strategy down. I I don't need to keep it going to to, to stay in a job. I've I've got the ability to uh, to be across the other other platforms. So um, you know you won't sort of see me holding on to the bitter end <laughs> because uh, if I if I shut it down, I'm out of a job. There's plenty of other things I could be doing here as well. So. Um, you know, I think that's, and we we may look back on, we may look back on it in, in years to come and say, wow, 
you know, we left 25% upside um, on the table by, by getting out too early. But uh, when you look at uh, some of the strategies that got stuck at the top last time and, and pretty much gave a, 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 a majority chunk of what they'd have made, you know, they gave that back. Um, in that, you know, not gave it back to investors, but gave it back to the market, so to the detriment of the investors. You know, we don't want to be in that position. We'd, we'd rather an investor say, thanks very much, guys, you've done a great job, but wow, there was another 25% of that, uh, as opposed to what were you thinking? How, how did you not get out? Right, yeah, and 25% uh, is, is a small routing error in this market. Um, so that's, <laughs> it sure is. That's no problem. <laughs> Uh, no, that's that's great. I, no, I appreciate you giving some information on that. And and I want to ask you, uh, what is what are you going to look at? What is going to be the gauge? I mean, you know, people talk about looking at the individual uranium stock prices, and I think that might have a little bit to it. But will you look more towards the big market view in terms of what's going on with long-term contracting, what's going on with the spot price, rather than just looking at, hey, this one company, ABC company, has done a fantastic job. They've ran hard, but even though we've got a, a stock that went from you know 50 cents to to seven dollars, uh, the uranium price is really only hanging out at uh, 50 dollars. Uh, maybe there's still some upside left. How how are you going to look at it? Is it going to be more of the uranium big picture than than maybe some of the individual stocks? Yeah, 100%. I mean, that's 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 half of half of half of the battle is is getting the fundamentals right and. Um, you know, it's, it's, I mean, the one thing I'm, I'm excited about already is that, is that uranium and, and nuclear energy and, um, you know, whether it's, whether it's in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an environmental argument around carbon or, or, uh, or, you know, replacing sort of, um, baseload power or, or future electricity or whatever it is, there's a lot more news flow around the sector now, um, which, um, and, and a lot more positive news flow than, than there ever has been um, from, from what I can see in simple searches. But, um, you know, so, so there is a bit more of awareness coming into, into the market now uh, and, and the whole sector, which, which I think is great. Um, you know, the one thing I, you know, point to a little bit is, is when you look at some of the volatility in the share, in the stocks post sort of 232, which some saw as a disappointment. I mean, we, we see it as bullish because it allows us to, uh, as we say, it takes, takes the handbrake off contracting and, and, and allows the market to function properly again. I think what some of, you know, the, the money that was in some of those positions then, you know, I think what they've failed to grasp is it's not a short-term play, uranium. I mean, we all we all hear people talking about how you know, Paladin and went from four cents to ten dollars or whatever it was. You know, but what you've got to remember is that that was over a, a fair amount of time, and there was a fair amount of raising that happened um, in the meantime. And 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 the last move higher was was the explosive part as as the as the cycle really really got going. So we're at the early really early stages, um, and I think as some of that faster money shakes out. There is fundamental money coming back in to replace that. That's got a more patient view, which which I think is very reassuring. Um, the um, the other point uh, I guess is with with respect to spot spot market's a very small market. It's there's a small handful of players. The best analogy I think when you look at real market activity is is for resource investors is to remember back to to what the iron ore market used to be. 
where you know 90 plus percent of the activity in the iron ore market was done on annual contracts um and sometimes you know contracts agreed you know volume contracts agreed further out but priced annually um and the spot market in iron ore back then was 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 pretty much the clearing market of last resort there was very little activity a handful of players and you know i think that's what you've got to remember it's where the uranium market is is that is that the real activity happens in contracting um whilst there's been opportunistic uh, activity from utilities more recently in the spot market because of of, of the market dynamics. What uh, you know um, dictates where the spot price is going to be is, is is very little activity. But there's a lot of eyeballs that focus on that. You know that's that's the reference point because it's 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 you know an investor can't just go and say hey where's the Where's that utility RFP? Where did they price it? You know, they, there's not that that visibility. So by default, you go back to the spot market. So it's it is important to watch that. But I think to to your listeners, it's it's important for them to understand that that it's been controlled by a small number of people. Um, and uh, you know, as we saw last year, when the momentum on it moves, it can move very quickly. So you know, it it went to twenty nine dollars and ten cents in a in a pretty short period of time to to end the year, and and uh, and just as quickly it came back to twenty five cent twenty five dollars. So, you know, that moves, uh, which gets people's attention, which is why it's important to keep an eye on that, um, because then obviously you know when you then turn around to the stock point, people do analysis. They agree a thesis, but what's the catalyst to get them to come in and buy? Uh, and it'll be something like a spot move that that will get them to come in and buy. Wowee, uranium spot price is through thirty dollars. What's thirty dollars? It's just a number, but you know it's it's where it sort of failed before. Wowee, it's through thirty dollars. Those uranium stocks that that I was hearing about on the podcast, uh, you know, or or I read about on on the research report, I got maybe I'll go and buy those now, uh, and then then off it goes. Well said, and, and uh, appreciate you giving your, your thoughts on that. And, and certainly, long-term and spot uh, need to be watched, and uh, they both have different characteristics that I think play into how the health of the market is. Like, for example, a, a divergence, uh, a heavy divergence in in these two price points uh, can also start to indicate certain things. So it's a uh, key to look at, and absolutely, the long-term contracting market is the place to be. Um, yeah, well, and even when uh, sorry, sorry, just to just to add to that, I mean, e- even when you're looking at, uh, you know, at the conversion and enrichment prices, um, which are not as easily observable to to most people as as the spot price is, um, but, but you know they've been rallying, you know, so you have seen a real and um, disconnect where the spot price has been selling off, but the enrichment conversion prices. So you know the next stages in the uranium fuel cycle from just the uranium as it's processed in to become um, you know, fuel for, for the reactors, that's telling me that, that, that real activity is picking up in the market, that, that uh, you know, the spot guys are, are mucking around trying to play silly games with the spot price, but the real activity in the market is actually, it's, the market's getting on with it, the market's realising that it, that it needs to be moving forward, and you've seen that in the conversion enrichment prices. Yes, absolutely. No, SWU and conversion is, is key. Uh, a separate piece to be watching, but absolutely, those are there's those are additional uh, pieces that need to be looked at. And I and, and I know you and I only covered 
not even half of what all the things we should be looking at. But we would take <laughs> we would take another 30, 30 minutes we could to an be hour here for hours to touch on this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, Guy, uh, how should investors uh, considering Tribeca? What would you say to potential investors who might be listening to this? The one thing that, well, one of the one of the many things we do. I mean, we we are resource specialists. We've done the work. I mean, when we talk to potential investors uh, and, and current investors in our fund, you know, people obviously like the story. They 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 tend to agree with the idea of the fundamentals that that the price has to go higher. But you know, reality, if you're if you're looking at a concentrated investment strategy uh, like ours. You really, you know, you don't, I mean, it's volatile, right? There's a lot of noise in it. You, you really don't want to be investing the majority of your wealth in it. Um, you know, what you actually invest um, is up to the individual investor, obviously. But, but um, you know, it's maybe 5 or 10%, say, for some of these family offices and high net worth. And so our argument to, to them is, why would you do, the, the, the uranium market is, it's small, but but it's fiddly. There's a lot of moving parts. There's a lot of there's a lot of you know things that you've got to go and go digging for. There's um, you know some of these companies have been in bear markets for a long time. They're really good at promoting their story. You know and there's um, uh, you know the, you've, you've really got to spend a lot of time just trying to work out where you need to be in this space. So if if you're a an investor looking to put five or ten percent into into this uh, into a uranium strategy, you know, it, the, the amount of work you have to do is is a lot more. It's not just sitting there saying, "Hey, I'm going to go and have thirty percent of my portfolio on financials because I got a view on X, Y, and Z." It's it's very you know it's it's very nuanced in, in uranium. So you know, we do the work. Um, we're specialists in the uh, in in the field. We're we're looking. At everything from both an equity perspective and a debt perspective, because of because of the uh, the credit fund we have, so um, we're looking outside just uranium miners as well. You know, like are there uh, you know reactor engineering companies that might be um, um, good to own um, through the China build cycle, things like that. Is there nuclear medicine technology that that, that may be an investment opportunity? So we're looking across all of that, and. And we're tying, you know, we're 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 here for the long term. As I was saying before, it's a three year three year plus strategy. So um, we don't have the the problems that some others may have, where of investors wanting to get out and see your forced sellers. You know, we're we're only going to be buyers until such time as we stop buying. Right. No, I, I think that's a key piece, and for certain clientele, I think it's also interesting to look at because you guys really offer now with the listed vehicle on the ASX. You kind of are out there competing with maybe the the Geiger counter in London and and maybe some of these other listed uh, funds out there. Maybe even to some degree taking away uh, some of the physical fund investors that are looking towards. They want to have both the physical, maybe a yellow cake, but they also want to have an equity fund. And, and Tribeca kind of fills that piece. So I think mm. that's a key key part that people should remember. How about uh, how can folks reach out to Tribeca or to yourself uh, for more information on the fund and and to connect? Uh, yeah, so we have a website. There's a lot of a lot of information on the website. www.tribecaip. IP stands for Investment Partners. dot uh, com, uh, and contact details are on on the website. Well, Guy, I really appreciate you coming on, and and we appreciate the time. Andrew, thanks very much for having me. It's uh, it's been it's been really great. Thank you.